Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week I am joined by both Dan Lambert and Micah Chudley. Chaps, how are we? Depressed. Not bad, not bad. I, I think I'm leaning more towards Micah's answer. Um, well, isn't it nice to be back in the point where we think QPR are about to sack a manager, but they probably won't? Um, at least we'll try and sort I know that's the question kind of answered there, but we'll at least talk about that a little bit more. <laughs> there goes our hour-long podcast. You've done yeah. it in two minutes. Will they? No. No, they won't. Of course <laughs> they're not. <laughs> Never do. Um, first, though, let's talk about a little bit of breaking news from today. Um, recast is gone. Oh, Jesus. Is it breaking Our... news for us, though? Is it? I don't know. Well, kind of. I heard Dan news. got early. Um, Dan got Dan got the uh, got the news early. Apparently, yeah, he, he's um in the know when it comes to fair. recast administration it... announcements. No, before 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 I even got the email, I saw someone someone posted on Twitter from their email about a month or so ago. So it's pretty slowly dropping down to everyone's feeds. It's probably yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's many sticks I think that you can beat QPR around the head with over the last couple of years, and I would definitely put recast in with that. I mean, what an absolute shambles that was. Trying to, I guess, in the sense of trying to get in the ground floor of something that could be revolutionary within sports media or whatever. That's a good idea in principle, isn't it? Yeah. It just, when you started using it, it just was very clear that this was not something that was well-funded. I think I tried was going to work. I think I tried to use it for run friendly in like the Warburton era and it didn't work, even though I had enough coins and I was like, right, I'm never doing this again. I think that was some of most QPR fans experience of it. I ever, I, I don't know if this is actually to do with recast itself, but I do remember, I think it was the Cambridge United friendly where they had to cancel the stream on recast and do it on YouTube because it wouldn't work. Oh, it would have been... The Cambridge friendly, what this yeah. year? Yeah, it would have been better if they um just didn't air it at all. Didn't we lose that one at five nil? That was no, Oxford. No, no that, oh, that was, was um, Oxford. Yeah, no, Cambridge was like Warburton. I think that might have been Jimmy Dunn's first game. That actually, I think that was yeah, that was that might have been the one friendly I tried it in. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess like you said, Micah, on the face of it, not a terrible idea. But when you actually go to use it, and it it never actually worked, and it was clear that it was quite sort of, you know, bottom end of the budget spectrum. It, I don't know, like how I I just kind of think forget dodgy transfers and stuff like that. How much money have we sunk into recast to try and get that to work? Like, are they paying us? Are we paying them? Who knows? But it doesn't seem to exist anymore, uh, and I think we'll all feel better for it. Um, so speaking of feeling better, I think we were all feeling worse on after Saturday. Uh, QPR played Blackburn. Uh, well, I say played, there was, I believe, 11 QPR players on the pitch, though. You know, if you told me that they weren't, I would believe you. Um, you know, how bad was that, chaps? That was at. No, I'll let you answer it because I think you know I know what you're going to say. But how bad was that? 
Mikey, um, you, mind, you see, you go, you go first. Yeah, do you know what? I, I actually thought we played really well and we got unlucky. Gareth, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> the lad, the lads uh, left everything out there. Um, no, it was terrible, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> truly awful. I think I said to you boys in the chat, um, I've never left before the 80th minute. I think I left in about the 85th after Coventry. Of course, we scored like a minute later. Um, and then Saturday, fourth goal went in after the third goal I was like should I go but I think the third goal went in like about 10 minutes after half time so it would have been way too early for me to leave fourth one went in I was like, I'm just, like it's awful I mean like the, sa- the same old habits just persisting I think that there was a point sort of late August early September where it was like okay you know like maybe the performances haven't got the results that they've warranted, but at least the at least the team is showing a bit of grit, a little bit of um persistence. They're not will in. And it feels like that that uh first goal against Coventry, I can't was it Ellis Sims where it was like, like a mile offside. Yeah. Um still not going for The players don't look like they've got over it down. Like I'm not taking like I'm not taking the piss or anything. But like that goal went in, and then it was like last season, you know, last season where like Dieng's head would drop, and then Dickie's head would drop, and then Dunn's head would drop, and then it would just like make its way across the whole team. It was that again. Even Steve Cook, like after the goal, he was going around trying to like G up the boys, and they all literally looked like they'd just been in like a natural disaster or something. Like, like their world had ended, and it's just that again. We're, we're back to square one. We're, we're just weak and easy to beat. Now, Dan, you haven't been able to watch too many QPR games this season. Um, yet you have seen Saturday's game. So, you know, any thoughts? Um, not, not, not really more to add from Micah. I do agree that we're easy to play against. I don't know. I just thought from that game, I thought Sammy Schmodix had probably um, the world gifted to him. Um, like I saw Ainsworth post-match at the time on the Saturday and he said he changed, I think we went to a diamond, didn't we? Um, and then he obviously changed it to a midfield three to kind of pack out the midfield because obviously Dolan drops in, they don't really play with a striker. And then you've got Schmodix kind of between the lines as well. Uh, but even then, we weren't tracking runners. Schmodix had tons of space on numerous occasions. Um, and yeah, they just ran, ran, ran rings around us, really. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that team selection then, because there was a few interesting talking points, I think, within that first 11. Um, Lakesh, for one, starts at right back in his Good first league, uh, league appearance, not league appearance, first league start. Uh, Duke McKenna comes into midfield. I mean, me and you, Michael, were talking about who's going to replace Sam Field. Like where where do they go? Do they go Dozels? Do they and and uh, Colback? Do they go three midfield? Okay, we've got this midfield diamond to start the game with. I think one of us jokingly said Duke McKenna, sort of like at the back end of that conversation, but we didn't believe it would happen. There's other midfielders there that we kind of thought like might get a crack first, and then you've got on the bench <clears throat> uh, Reggie Cannon who, you know, fair enough, he has been in a contract dispute with his previous club. And I imagine he will be starting another contract dispute with this club 
pretty soon to try and get out of this one. Um, but I can't imagine he's been doing much training sort of like during that legal process and sort of like what the deal is of him being match fit. They're clearly easing him into it. And that, you know, whether you like it or not, that is how modern football goes. You get eased into it. You don't, you, if, if Gareth Ainsworth, right, he was probably the antithesis of a modern manager. If he's not throwing you in sort of straight from the start, then yeah, you're probably not fit enough. Um, you've also got Kakai on the bench, another right back. Not had the greatest game against Leeds, but you know, is a natural right back. And then you've got Paul Smith, who obviously isn't a natural right back, but has at least played right wing back this season. All three of those players on the bench, yet Lakesh starts at right back. Um, uh, you know. At that point, you're already sort of thinking, what exactly are we in for today? You know, Duke McKenna was on the verge of leaving the club altogether, then gets a contract. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily against it. I was more from the point of view that he's just going to fill a squad place and like he will occasionally come on off the bench and try and add some sort of like energy. But I didn't think he would be anywhere near the starting eleven. Uh, when he signed that deal. But this, whatever that was that Ains have tried on Saturday, that was not it in the slightest, was it? Like, it's just a baffling team selection. I really, I really didn't understand it. I was talking to my dad after the game. He called me to ask how it went. God bless him. Um, and um, he said to me, he was like, look, right, if he, if he, Smith, I think, has played pretty much every game and he's played the majority of pretty much every game all right fine we've had we've had three games in a week he wants to give the right wing back a rest Callan's obviously not ready um fine whatever you want to put someone else in at right wing back we don't have another natural one why do you give a 20 year old kid who hasn't even played for the club yet his first start in the championship out of position you really have set him up to fail um, I I didn't get it. I I I don't like like I get right the reasoning behind taking Smith out. Surely, like if you're if you're putting someone out of position, maybe someone like Kenneth Powell, twenty five years old, played two hundred plus games in his career. Surely that makes more sense than a kid who barely even played in League One last season. And you're saying, all right, go go and do a job for me at right wing back. I didn't I didn't really get it. Yeah. Um. The, the thing is, well, about Lakesh. And it seems really stupid to say, but I thought he, he actually showed some sort of like slightly promising moments. I mean, there was a lot of energy there from him. Unfortunately, though, for him, he's sort of culprit number one, maybe culprit number two for at least two of the goals um, from what I can remember. I think the first one, he sort of is late on getting in on the tackle. I know the ball goes past Dunn, but he's not... It never felt like he was... Um, sort of reacting in time and I think he was slightly late on the player for the first goal and then obviously for the fourth goal it is the most disastrous thing I've seen on a, in a week on a Saturday of complete and utter disasters that was absolutely shocking wasn't it Dan? Yeah what well, sorry the fourth um yeah I mean the first goal I don't know if, I mean he was slow to react but um really I don't think Colback should be letting Rankin Costello get get the better of him that easy in the in the corner. I mean, we spoke of fair, it was a similar goal to 
to the one he uh, assisted uh, last season in his first game. But yeah, I don't think Colback can be letting um, letting him get past him too easy. But yeah, the fourth one, I don't know what he was thinking, but it was just a mess from start to finish. Like, I don't think, again, I don't think Colback um, pressed, uh, I think it was Moran at the time, Andrew Moran. And then, yeah, two passes, they're through on goal. And then yeah, and he takes a, a pass across the goal to uh, to concede a goal. So, yeah, it was basically piss poor across the... So that that was one which Bert, Blackburn have clipped up and compared to last season's what goal, hasn't Yeah, it? the first one, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's fantastic, isn't it? Conceding exactly the same goal. It doesn't matter necessarily who plays, what the manager is. It's the same goal. It's just conceded. Like it, it is absolutely shambolic. Um, Duke McKenna, then. Um, any thoughts on him? Did we feel sorry for him? Did we hate his guts? Did we, or, or did we think that, like, you know, he was trying his best? I don't know. What are their thoughts? Um, I don't know. I thought. I thought he was at fault for some of the game. Um, like, particularly in the midfield three, his role was kind of schmodix, and a lot of the time he wasn't really tracking back a lot or tracking the man. So in that sense, I think that's his fault. But, yeah, he's come into um, kind of a new, newish position to him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's his first start in I don't know how long. Um, so you can't... I'm not going to go all in on him, but at the same time, you kind of... I imagine he's been given a role. He's been given instructions before the game of what what to do within the role. I think there was at one point during the game because where, where we were in that diamond shape, the strikers were kind of on their centre backs, and then their full backs are the spare players. So when they built up from the back, when the the ball was played to the full backs, the kind of the wide centre mids would, would press, and there was often times where he wasn't he wasn't kind of jumping correctly. So he's definitely um, not good enough for the level for me. But um, yeah. Be interested to see how many more games he plays. Yeah, uh, Michael, what, what did you think of Chuck uh, McKenna? Like you, when I was going through that sort of team headlines, but you you seem a bit puzzled about his kind of selection. Like, yeah, another one where I felt like, all right, maybe you've seen something from him in training or whatever, but you know, you've got to remember, you know, your 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 Saturday three pm is completely different to a. Uh, you know, a weekday on the morning where some players may not be completely at it. Let me not, I, I I won't do all that because that, that's just speculative. But again, 23 years old, I'm not really fancied by the last manager, rightly or wrongly. People can debate that all they want. But, you know, at this age in the championship, having been with the club so long, um, you, you're, I wouldn't say expected to make an instant impact, but you kind of need to look like you're able to hold your own. I never really just got that sense with him. Um, he didn't look particularly comfortable in possession. I'm not particularly, the shape was a bit weird. I'm not particularly sure he's a centre midfielder. I think ironically, maybe right wing back might have been a better shout for him on the day. I think that's more natural for him. I think he played there out on loan, but I think, the crux of it is, I just I'm not sure he's really championship level, to be honest with you. With that as well, like I guess no one sort of like, well, some players clearly do walk into the side sort of based on next to no sort of evidence of why they should be in there. But someone like Duke McKenna, who, sorry, no, um, Dixon Bonner, like 
you know, he's been on the bench nearly every game this season. What what is he doing in in training to not get on the pitch? Like, and we, you know, at times when we've probably needed a few, you know, fresh legs in midfield, is he just constantly scoring own goals at training? Training, he's just taking, awful in training. Taking out Gareth Ainsworth with slide tackles <laughs> at every opportunity he gets. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like when you're that, it, that he does come on eventually at the weekend, and it, if you sort of do okay in that mess, then you look at you come out of it smelling like roses because everything else was so horrible. And I can't particularly remember anything bad, nor do I remember anything particularly good about what he did. But in comparison to Duke McKenna, I just remember thinking, the poor lad's just not cut out for this level. Like he, This is unfair on him, like being in this mm. situation. Yeah, but, I think you... Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, go on. No, I just think from the, from again we, we joke a lot about Dixon Bonner, like what type of midfielder he is, but I think you can see from the little cameos that he's had, he he you can see that he's been at a big club. Do you know what I mean? Technically, he looks very secure, physically, like he he's he's that kind of like physical profile of like you know a very top athletic central midfield player. Um, mm-hmm. obviously there's a reason he's at QPR. Let's let's not get like too ahead of ourselves. He's at QPR for a reason. Um. But I I agree with you, Alex. I think like if that's where we're going down, I think I'd rather invest kind of like more time and minutes into someone like him than someone like Duke McKenna, who again, rightly or wrongly, is probably not his fault. Just you know, it hasn't worked out for him at QPR thus far, and I don't think it will. Yeah, there's been talk this week about players down in tools, uh, a, a topic that comes up. Whoa. Very Twice, frequently, with QPR. Season, at least. <laughs> this is not sort of not for the first time, and there's new players into this mix as well. But who, who in particular, from what you saw at the weekend, is someone that you think is sort of like very close? Because there's, there's been rumors about kind of like players really not liking the way that Aintos going about stuff. Like, who did you see from the weekend that sort of looks like they're fed up? All of them. <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the rumours I've seen have kind of circled around Chair a little bit. Um, Chair don't really seem like the type to kick up a fuss the way people say it. Do you know what I mean? There's always room. When someone make an, someone come up with a rumour that Johansson made a joke about Ainsworth's jacket or something ridiculous, it, it, it's, it's probably all like fan fiction, whatever. But like we were saying, we, we just don't really seem to have found Chair's best role under Ainsworth and like, a lot of the time watching him chase down second balls or or watching the ball go over his head. I understand, like, we can't be as reliant on him as we have been in the past couple of seasons, but I just kind of look at it and I think if if Chair was to be upset, I would kind of get it, you know? Yeah. Dan, um, anything in particular for you that stood up from this, this previous game and, and sort of like, you know, what was truly horrific for you watching the the game back um yeah there's not much more else probably going forward really i don't really still understand what the what the kind of plan is if it's not if it's not like a long channel ball into armstrong or dykes or flick uh flick ons from dykes it's kind of just byline crosses and really if you don't get the quality of cross right right which we haven't on numerous occasions and not got numbers in the box then it just seems a bit null and void to me. Um, just doesn't look like we're 
we're like coached on the pitch there's no like you don't have to have patterns per se but there's no like obvious way we build apart from getting a 1v1 and going to the byline and cross it just feel it feels very basic um I mean and the 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 numbers back it up both in terms of going forward and defensively so there's there's always a reason why that's why that's the case for me I think as well like we've almost got the right wing back but don't that makes sense like like Smith is still pacey and he likes to take on his man, but I don't think his final ball is like any good. No disrespect. Yeah. Whereas Adoma's final ball is still excellent, but it's just got absolutely nothing else in terms of pace anymore. So it's kind of like we're we're in between having the right wing back to put the ball on Dykes's head. Yeah, even still, when like even when Adoma can cross it, like it's still very one dimensional, isn't it? Because the only person that can cross is on, on the right. Like, yeah. And then it, it is really strange that it doesn't matter who comes in. Crossing always seems to be really poor at QPR and has been really poor for a number of seasons, years. You know, who was like, the last good one? I'm I'm thinking um Joek, Power Joek. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Good cross for the ball. Yeah. Because Bright, just, Bright got to the byline, but he wasn't like his final ball was a little bit like inconsistent, wasn't it? Bright is like a smaller version of Armstrong in a sense, isn't he? Because he's got that sort of strength and pace, but then he gets to the byline and it just looks so unnatural. And he just yeah, looks, yeah. he doesn't know what he's going to do. Like <laughs> he's got to that point, it's like, come on, you know, you can do it. No. <laughs> oh no, never mind, never mind. Or like he'll then like score. He has to sort of like go through everyone and score the goal he scored against Birmingham or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, Joek, the last good cross we had. Wow. Yeah. You can still. That, he didn't play every game. That was only from like one side of the pitch. But you know. Yep. I don't think it's too much to ask that second division footballers should be able to cross the football, right, and find the target in the middle. I don't even yeah, think but just cross the goal. Sorry, go on, Michael. Nah, it's all right, because I'm going to start ranting. I was just going to say, I don't even think it has to specifically be a cross. Like, if Smith, if Smith's crossing isn't that good, he's quick, he can get in behind, there's always space. Can't we find a can't we find a ball where we play the ball in kind of like the half space and then he makes a run from the from, from the channel in so you can get a cutback? Like you can't you can't expect Armstrong and Dykes to purely score. 10 headers a season like there's got to be different goals you've got to score and if we're creating better chances then there's reason for the strikers to score otherwise we're just we're putting in like low low percentage chances every game and expecting them to come up trumps every to, to get us points yeah just to piggyback on what you said because you said a lot of what i was going to say there to be fair as well one thing that i i aiden's worth said i can't remember which game he was like oh look at the amount of shot shots on target that'll tell you the story but it's like yeah I'm not 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 to be like an XG freak, but like yeah, we, we're oh, having no, like no, no, but we like XG now. Remember? Oh, sorry, we do People like like XG, XG now. We like it now because it might get rid of a manager that it might fit you. We, we don't want. Agenda. Yeah, it might fit an an existing six month agenda that he doesn't want to let go, or they. Sorry, I'm not not anyone in specific, obviously. But um, yeah, if you look at the XG. Like they're not actually we're not actually creating good shots. We're just having a lot of shots. We're not actually creating anything of like any yeah, real. It was one point one three on Saturday, and it was twenty one shots. There we go. But that's probably like um, that was 
it's kind of like one end of the spectrum to another because we've gone from like Warburton, who's like kind of <clears throat> you only shoot if you know you're going to score kind of thing, and like there was no there was no flexibility from that. It was got to be sort of like creating high quality chances rather than creating any type of chance. Yeah, um, he did score goals though quite a lot. He did, but that's because Warburton's probably a much better coach. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's controversial to say at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I won't get into all that, but I, I do think, um, when, when you look at the surface of it, oh god, I hate bringing him up. I feel like we bring him up every other week now, but like, I think under Beal, we kind of found that happy medium, didn't we? Um, maybe well, we didn't. Some people would argue that, uh, and I can't. I think, like, ultimately, Beal's tenure sort of. It, it, my memories of it seem to change each week. Like, but the <laughs> people seem to think that we were too sort of re- re- reliant on long distance shots. And when you think about it, it's probably because like Chair and Willock scored some incredible distance shots. Yeah, but that was a bit if, of you, a, if you think of like the Bristol City game away, I think that's like the perfect example of like actually we, you know, when we had the right players on the pitch, like we had Johansson. Willock and Chair, and they were all playing well at that point, and Field was doing his job, and Tyler Roberts was actually, you know, not injured for once, and he scored, I think, at least once in that game, maybe set up another goal. He did. But none of those were long-distance shots. They were nicely worked worked goals, and we really should have absolutely battered Bristol City in that first half. We should have been out 4-0 up. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter now, but I think maybe that's kind of what you're more referring to. Yeah, it, there was there was kind of like a mix, a happy medium. I think yeah. in the championship, unless you're a parachute team with all the money to spend, you can't really commit to like one philosophy and do absolutely nothing else. You need to have a little bit of a mix of different styles of play, able to go direct, able to keep the ball, able to play out from the back, able to just, you know, lump it up to a big man. Um, I'm not saying Beal got it perfectly right because I still have my issues with some of the way he kind of set us up, which I think kind of showed in his last five games. But yeah, I don't even know why I started making this point, to be honest with you, because he's not our manager anymore. So there we go. So, simple question. Do you think Gareth Ainsworth should stay on? I'll let Dan go first. Um... I'll probably give him a couple of games and if it doesn't change then I'd say he should go um I don't know I just don't I just don't see that he's that he's kind of across the season so far there's not been huge amount he's implemented I wouldn't say there's been huge positives either um and now he's got the international break obviously um so he's got a bit of time on the on the training pitch but um, yeah, if nothing, if nothing changes in the next probably three to four games, I'd say we've probably got to stop the right sooner rather than later. But next, it's probably enough. Yeah, next three games, Huddersfield, West Brom, Leicester. Next home match is Leicester City. I Yikes. mean, I, I, the thing that my dad said to me when we were leaving on Saturday, like the next time we're going to come back here is to watch QPR Leicester. This is... is, That's not going to be good if Blackburn can do that to us. And, you know, 
Blackburn have got good players and maybe the league is not quite showing its true reflection just yet for absolutely every team. But, um, you know, it's not like, you know, they, they were not that far. They're still not that far sort of ahead of us right now. They're on 13. We're on eight points. That was, a, in theory, a game that should have been a close game based on the table at the weekend, but it wasn't. Michael, what do you think? You know, I think the 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 fact that it was Blackburn is symbolic in a way because that was his first game, wasn't it? And I believe this is his twenty fifth game in charge. Um, I think whichever way you look at it, five wins from twenty five, even with last season's context, is pretty damning. I think it's what sixteen losses as well. Um, pretty damning, really, isn't it? Um. I'll start by saying I don't think he will go. I think we've painted That's my next question to... answered in advance, oh, then, sorry, isn't it? I jumped, jumped the gun there. Sorry. But, hold on, hold on. Do you think he will go? Uh, no, I, I don't think he'll go, funnily enough. Um, I just I just think we painted ourselves into this corner now, realistically. I, I don't think the club wants to be seen as a club either that sacks managers as often as we have. What's that? Four in about 18 months now. Um. I'm at the point where it's like, I think we've gone so deep with this Ainsworth thing that like, we're just going to have to see it out, I suppose, unless it gets really bad, which really bad is worse than this. Well, you know, if it can. What do you describe as worse than this? I mean, the next game, obviously, Huddersfield, they are three points ahead of us, I think. Well, yeah. I think that there's another international break in November, isn't there? Yeah. Um I think you probably look at that period between now and November, and I think if things haven't improved, you know, questions are going to start to get asked, really. I'm kind of in the ballpark of, like, I wouldn't sack him, but if he got sacked, I, I wouldn't be, like, screaming blue murder. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, well, here we are. So, you know, like I said, Huddersfield... West Brom away, then Leicester at home. Then you've got Rotherham away, which will be a big game. And then Bristol City at home. And then you've got the international break by the looks of it. So, you know, those are the five games, Mike, that you're affording him to turn his future around at QPR. Do you think it it will happen? Uh, I don't know. Football's funny, isn't it? Football's funny. Um, Maybe maybe Reggie Cullen was the missing piece all along. Maybe he comes in and uh, we win all five. I don't know. I don't know at this point. Um, I think he needs to use that international break wisely. I think the toughest thing for him is that the players that he's kind of built the team around or you would build the team around are all away. So Chair will be away. Dykes will be away. I don't know. Sure Chair hasn't been called up, has he? Has he not been called up? Well, he isn't for the last couple. I don't I think am. he has for this one either. I mean, oh, no. let's be honest, right? Okay, so there was a, a a sentence in in the in a West London Sport article about the fact that Chair is no longer getting called up for the national team, and I think the sort of like the, the the blame for that was pointed at Ainsworth. But you know, Chair was called up to that team. He was called up to the squad. He was never really actually getting minutes. You know, in mm. the World Cup, he came on in the third place playoff game, 
as a sort of like he he I think it was him and like the one other player that hadn't actually played for Morocco in that tournament came on at that point. So you know we love him and there's you know there's realistic talk to be had about where his future lies away from QPR or sort of like even still with QPR from this point onwards. But let's not sort of kid ourselves into sort of thinking that Chair was in the first eleven for Morocco. He was on the the verge of the squad. And he was on the periphery, even yeah. when he was in good form. Even when even, he was in yeah, form. even when he was in really good form, he still wasn't getting like loads of minutes. A, a really massive part of him playing for Morocco quite a while back, I think, was it Ziyech who was either injured or like had a disagreement with the manager, so he wasn't getting called up. So there's a big name there just not getting called up. So let's not sort of yeah. pretend that Gareth Ainsworth is the sole reason Chair's not getting Morocco minutes. Um, yeah. I think they changed manager before the World Cup as well, and I think Chair said he wasn't even expecting to go because he'd got all his caps under the previous manager. So maybe the new manager just doesn't really fancy him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the my point kind of still stands because Dykes will be gone, Armstrong will be gone. I don't know if Powell's gone away with Suriname, but I imagine he's probably been called up. Um, so you look at that and you think, hmm, that's a couple of players that are quite important to what Ainsworth has tried to do thus far. That won't be on the training ground. Um, so he's he's up against it. Don't get me. I'm I'm not trying to say oh, I'm giving him these five games because those five games are winnable. Even if they were winnable, the situation is that every other team is looking at us like a winnable game. So um, it just it just is what it is. He he, he has to turn it around before um the next break. Something that you mentioned there, Micah. Um, so well, I say there sort of off recording um this this is a a player for you a player for me i'm not sure but about dan but certainly a player no, that we watched not. when we I don't was... have the same affinity no it's, no. Polite, it's the politest way that anybody's ever called me old by the way i appreciate that well we're, <laughs> we're the same age i think or roughly the same age so that's yeah, that's Dan's fine called us both old basically <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have a are we still the young fans of our of QVR, or should we have a discussion? I was going to bring this up off air, but we're, we're on air now. Okay. <laughs> we have to graduate to like the QPR podcast or the W twelve one. Let let Dan take it over. <laughs> um, but you know, this is a player. He a former player, some someone who is part of the team that was dragged out on the pitch on Saturday. Right, he was there at Hillsborough, which for where. You know, it's still, rightly so, it's still a thing that is celebrated at this club, that achievement of getting promoted, because, you know, that was a success, all things considered down there. It, like you said, he's getting dragged through the mud, like, and it's kind of, it, it, I'm not, not particularly enjoying it at all, you know? And it's funny, because I never felt like he was given any credit for being an ex-player. You know how sometimes play, you know, some people get that little bit extra grace period. Yeah. He just doesn't seem to be get it because I think everyone had a preformed idea about what Gareth Ainsworth as QPR manager would look like. I think it's that and I think we'd used up all that like ex-player juice on and the list is very long. Les Ferdinand, Ian Holloway, uh Charlie Austin, uh Ravel Morrison. Uh, Morrison, <laughs> you remember? You remember that that fun four months when we brought yeah. him back? 
Um, who who else have we used the X? We've used that by the time we got to Ainsworth, the X player gimmick was had been run so many times that people it was actually making people upset. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it was the 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 sort of preconceived Ainsworth ideas. It's hard for me to watch it. I've got to be honest with you. Um, it's very difficult. Um, coming on this pod uh, every week and kind of having to say like what on earth is he doing about somebody who um was a very like massive part of my early years of watching football um it's been difficult uh it's been difficult um more difficult than when i found out my favorite striker of that era who will remain nameless was a unsavory character on the internet um <laughs> it's not paul furlong it's, and it's not paul furlong <laughs> uh um, dan how long you know, obviously you've said how long you're given, but how long do you think he's going to get at this point? Um, yeah, probably longer than than what I, what I would do. Um, I don't know. It's whether we got the finances to 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 sack him to bring someone else in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, it it seems like they're going to stick with it for a while longer. Um, I think well, the one thing I will say is. On the the style about the preconceived things, I think he's kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit, well, from my perspective, because he's changed from this his own style that he's notoriously known for, and he's gone for a bit more progressive style. Well, whether you can call it progressive is another another question, but you know, building out from the back, and it's not what I I just don't think it's working at all. Um, I think for him, he should have really just stuck to his principles. And and uh, and basically rode it out like that and see see how far he can get in with with his style because he's kind of changed for the sake of the fans in a way uh, to be a bit yeah. more pleasing and I don't uh, I think you got as a manager you got to stick to your principles and you, if it doesn't work it doesn't work but he's gonna if he gets sacked from this job he's gonna have so many probably regrets about not doing it his way um, so I think yeah, that's. Just to piggyback on that as well, again, the Blackburn game just felt really symbolic in a way because that first 30 minutes in his first game at Blackburn, I think still to this day, is his best 30 minutes we've seen under Ainsworth at QPR. You take out all the other wins, you take out Middlesbrough and you take out Cardiff. That first 30 minutes where it was kind of... It, it, I'm not even really sure what to call it, it was maybe a mix of what we'd had under Warburton and Beal, but with a little bit more of an emphasis on pressing and sort of suffocating teams' back lines. And then I think Chair went off injured and then we never saw it again. Mm. And we're still yet to see it again. And it's like we, we've seen two, three different styles of play under Ainsworth. Um, and I, I, I would just argue that the one that maybe he come into the club thinking was the best one, might have actually been the best one in the end. Yeah. Um, just for the record, the international uh, players away from QPR at the moment, Lyndon Dykes, Paul Smith, Kenneth Powell, Stephen Duke McKenna, first team starter, um, <clears throat> Akel Duke Boyd, Caden Harrick, Ozzy Kakai, Sinclair Armstrong and Alex Ahura. Um, so those are all your players that you know aren't going to be around for this week and part of next. We talked about um the nostalgia sort of element to a lot of appointments, um, but 
I think I know. Think he'll know what I'm about to say here. But oh, is it time to go back to the well for one more, one more <laughs> trip to that nostalgia well for Uncle Neil's third time in charge of QPR? Third time, remember, it is his third. It would be his third time. He had that little interim job. Um, let's. I'll just clarify what I'm about to say by saying that Amit Battier, pretty the last three managers before Battier were clearly very heavily Ferdinand influenced. Warburton, Beale, and Critchley. They clearly were very Warburton influenced. I think um, Ferdinand influenced. Ferdinand influenced. Sorry. Um, I think our friends over at West London Sport will will have you know that this appointment was very much Amit Battier, and it comes from Amit Battier's friendship with. Ainsworth, right? Um, jobs for the boys. But I will I will um say this. I think we burned our bridges with Warnock last time, to be quite honest with you. And if we're being completely honest, because people kind of mess the story up, it's kind of Warnock's fault. Warnock burned them himself because I might be recalling this wrongly. If and if I am recalling this wrongly and you're listening to this, feel free to let me know I'm wrong. But if I recall, we offered Warnock the job because we'd done well in his interim period. And he'd said no, because one, he didn't want to come back to QPR. And two, at that point, he was in one of his many retirements and he, and he didn't want to come back into football, right? We then beat Reading away, I think, on a Friday night, because we always seem to beat Reading away on a Friday night, never on a Saturday. Um, and then he decides he wants the job, supposedly. But by then, we've already interviewed Hasselbank and agreed with Hasselbank so yeah you can say and with the benefit of hindsight you might be able to say oh yeah like but who do you pick out of Warnock or Hasselbank yeah but the football club that has banged on about integrity because of what happened to their manager a year ago can you go and agree a deal with another manager and they say oh sorry mate this other guy's decided he wants it now so we're not letting you go um Warnock takes that quite personally what might be an ego thing whatever Ferdinand clearly is one of those people that if you if you burn a bridge with Ferdinand once, you burn a bridge with him forever. Um, so I, I get the impression Warnock probably won't land back at QPR ever again, to be honest with you. But stranger things have happened. Um, a question to be added as well. As well. Like, I, was, I think he would probably sort of, I don't know if, about you, Dan, but for me, I, I think what he probably does in the situation is gets a tune out of the players because, there is, you know, the, we do forget there's, decent players there and someone like Neil Warnock could absolutely get a tune out of them and at the very least we stay up and then we go into next season and you, you kind of I know things were difficult with him at Huddersfield and maybe you never quite know because as we've just sort of heard from Micah Neil's a master at getting his own sort of story out there and he knows exactly what to say he's a very shrewd operator but it does kind of feel like he's pandering to the kind of like give me a bit more backing, sort of give me money kind of crowd. It felt that at Middlesbrough, felt that at Huddersfield, and it feels like there's been sort of like the basis for the for the division, basically, there with him over the last couple of years. And, you know, with that, you know, if, if we were to bring him in, I would personally, if you're going to bring him in, you've got to probably bring him in for like beyond this season, haven't you? 
Yeah, um, I I probably agree in terms of the summer. I think he was moaning about Huddersfield's finances. I think the um, when he went in at the end of last season, it was after the window, so it's probably slightly yeah. different. So he did do a good job in that sense. Um, I probably wouldn't want him anyway, if I'm being honest. He's not really the type of manager that I would want our club to go go for. I think personally, there's better coaches out there, um, both tactically and in the modern game. Um, like you say, we've got a good crop of players at the minute. I don't think it. I think if you bring in a coach that's better tactically, I don't think Ainsworth particularly. That's it. That's not his uh, speciality, is it? So I think in that sense, I think they could get an extra maybe five ten percent out of the players in that sense. But um, yeah, I think we've just got to. I think you mentioned it in the group the other day, Alex, about um, some some fans are obviously scared about bringing another like young coaching because of. Um, what Bill did in the past, but I don't think you can. I think you've got to just that's the route most clubs have got to go down nowadays. And I think there's there's good coaches out there. Um, yeah. so yeah, I wouldn't go for a Warnock type personally. Yeah, I mean, there's very specifically in that point, I think what you will hear if certain names get linked with the club in the future is Bill did this, Critchley was crap. Well, that is possible. But at the same time, there is more managers out there than Mick Beal and Neil Critchley. So, Michael, you're muted. Oh, that's so embarrassing, isn't it? It's funny how um, things swing, though, isn't it? Because post sort of Holloway and McLaren, it was, oh, why do we keep hiring these has-beens that have been around the block and are finished? And now we're at, oh, we can't trust young managers. The thing is, like, Beal, okay, Probably was, and I still think this now. Probably in that situation, unless they had significant evidence otherwise, right? Probably was the right person for it because even if he like stays yeah. you one season and gets you playoffs or gets you up, and then he moves on, he's still like he's still on better than anyone else before him, yeah. and and he moves on, yeah. and he moves on in much better circumstances. And if you look, whether if you that look happens the... or not is something else. But you know, I just think. You cannot be burned by one man's ambition. Yeah, and if, if you look at the, the remit of what the job was, develop the existing young players, help us bring young players in. He was probably the best kind of candidate for the job. He just happened to be a very unsavoury human being. Like, that happens in football. Yeah. Right then. Um, so we've come to the conclusion that we probably maybe could sack Ainsworth, but not right now, maybe sometime in the future. So glad we've we've cleared that one up. Um answering all the tough questions, aren't we? Yeah. Uh lastly then, um trying desperately to bring some sort of fun to these podcasts. Have you heard of something of a website called Match Worn Shirts? I have. You have? I, I haven't. I haven't. So Michael will be aware of the concept. Dan, you maybe not. So these, the clubs give over their shirts from games played, right to, um, to this website. They auction it off, and that the proceeds go to charitable organisations. So, um, it's a pretty good idea, I'd say. Most of the clubs sort of do it for their own charities, which you know, (laughs) hopefully that all gets donated. Um, QPR have done this previously okay they haven't done it quite recently because you know who would want to, you would think at least who would want to buy a shirt from a QPR game where we lost you might you might regret thinking that very shortly um, just to give you a, I'm going to give you a few 
players and games. And I would just like you to sort of see if you could kind of get close to what the final bid, the winning bid was on these shirts for for, for uh, some former and some current QPR players. Um, just to give you a little bit of a guide, uh, Erling Haaland, okay, there's a shirt on the website which is from last year's Champions League final. Okay, now I'm not sure if that's the shirt he wore in the game or if it's the shirt that they sort of like prepared for the match and he didn't wear because they have multiple shirts sort of like ready to go. Um, but that particular shirt sold for £8,986. Okay, okay, at the other end of the spectrum, uh, well, last uh, last time I checked this particular auction. This is um, from Charlton's League One match against Blackpool at the weekend. Uh, Chuck's Aneke, right, the striker. Wow. His Very shirt bad. was going for seventy eight pounds. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's your. Uh, there, there's a bit of a guide. Whether that's helpful or not, I don't know. Okay, first one from QPR. Last season, FA Cup. Fleetwood versus QPR, Chris Willock. What do you think the final bid was? I'm going to say 125 quid. Yeah, I'll say 105. Uh, you both need to go up. Oh. Who, who is this madman buying a shirt? That shirt for Chris Willock's dad. <laughs> I'll say 150 then. 160. Up. Two ten. What do you say, Micah? More than one. He was paying for this. I'll say two hundred and twenty-five. Then two hundred and thirty-eight pounds was the final bid on that wow. shirt. From let's, let's not forget how dark that post-match QPR versus Fleetwood was. Who's buying that? Who is that buying is that? That is insane. Two hundred and thirty-eight. Let's go back wow. then to 2021. <clears throat> and rather topically, Blackburn Rovers versus QPR. Okay. Uh, so this is lockdown. We lost this game 3 1, I believe. Who do you think from <laughs> who do you think, right, shirt sold for the most money from that game? Is this um, the games? Towards the end of like the nineteen twenty season, where we were like in lockdown, but the games were playing late, or was this the start the, of the season after? So this is um, the red shirt, black shorts, red tra- socks. If you remember it, all right. I- I'll guess uh, Bright or say Samuel then. Dan, I'm trying. I'm trying to even remember the game. I can't even remember uh, Don Ball. No, uh, this the most expensive shirt from that game was Nico Hamalainen. You're having a laugh. <laughs> How much did the shirt sell for? Three fifty. He's definitely bought his own shirt there, already. Like, there's, there's, there's absolutely no way. I'll say, if it's more than Willock, uh, I'm going to lose it. I'll say two hundred then. Uh, more on both counts. Nah, so. get out. Wait, more than three fifty. Fuck off. Get uh, out. 
More than five twenty. Less. Less than five twenty. I'll say yeah. four hundred. Four eighty. Four hundred and five pounds. Good lord. Wait, and what kit was that? So it's the so 2021-22, I think, is the season. So Warburton's in charge. We start the season very poorly. Tom Carroll plays midfield quite oh, a bit. Oh, is it the red and white one? It's No, it's... Well, yeah, it's the red with the white trim on it. Like, yeah, yeah. I know what you think. Red and white is like sort of half and half. It's not that... No, no, yeah, no, I think kids. the other one. Yeah. It wasn't like even the red. special anniversary one. No. Oh, the, the other, there was another Nico shirt from that season that sold for 350 I think, roughly. Um, I don't know. It's that, I reckon it's that. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Is it Anti, the, F- the Finland guy? Yeah, it's got a Twitter. <laughs> it must be. It must be him. That's the only explanation. For who, who's paid four hundred fifty quid for a Nico Hammerlinen shirt? If you if you're listening to the podcast, please come forward. We'd like to speak to you on the next episode. Yeah, about we sponsorships. A, <laughs> we we need to put you in a straight jacket. That's what we need to do. Um, EPR versus West Brom Ajalbian. 2022. This is the oh Austin, Austin goal. The yeah, yeah. That was a blue special kit. and That's a special kit, blue kit. So it's a special kit, and it's Charlie Austin's shirt from that game. Six fifty. Yeah, I'll say seven hundred. Oh, okay. I'll go up to a grand. But he's up. Um, Nine eighty. More. In both counts. Wow. I'll say one thousand two hundred. Uh, one thousand six hundred more. Is it two point two point seven? I'll go. I'll go. Very wow. close, Dan. Very, Very close. close. I'll <laughs> say. I'll say two point eight then. Dan. Uh, two point five. It's two thousand six hundred and one pounds. Wow. By the way, if it adds anything to it, all these shirts were signed. Wow, still though, Nico, four fifty. Okay, last one then. QPR versus Nottingham Forest. Uh Mike, I know you remember this game. This is when Jack Colback equalized. God, yeah, I remember this game very well. Yeah. Um and I, this it's possible that Dan knows the price for this because this is George Thomas's shirt. So we know how <laughs> much awesome. Dan likes George Thomas. Yeah, I bought Dan it. bought it. Yeah, Dan <laughs> bought it. Um, how much? Oh, we've got to start at three thousand. It's George Thomas. <laughs> Based <laughs> off Nico, I'm saying seven fifty. Yeah, I go much lower, much lower. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, GT. All right, five hundred. Much lower. Three twenty-five. Keep going down. One hundred. Fifty p. Mike is closer. Wait, was uh, it one hundred? I'll say 78 with Chuck Zanecki. Uh, 95. Up. 99. £143. Mm. Now, there's some people out there, right? And it's that a will bargain. Be... Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I don't know. There's a little caveat to come with this, right? Okay. Some people will be thinking back to that game and think, did George Thomas actually play in that game? And you'd be right to have those suspicions because he wasn't named in the squad. This is just a George Thomas shirt that was prepared for the game in case he was in the squad. Oh. Never worn. Actually, 
it's on match worn shirts. It's not. It's it's not a match worn shirt. It's signed by George Thomas. That is it. It's like I guess if there is such a thing, the match fit for the player's shirt, but it's not actually worn by Thomas in the game. He never played in that game. He wasn't even in the squad. Wasn't even on the bench. I want a refund. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to be fair, Dan, it did state that on the webpage. So if you didn't read it, then you know I didn't buy it. Don't worry, I'm not as stupid. We don't believe you, Dan. I'm gonna I'm gonna DM him now as we get off the pod and say that can I have my money back. Yeah. Um I hope that little slice of ridiculousness was uh you know, sort of better than talking about whether we should sack another manager, but such is such is life. Being a QPR I, fan I feel better moment. knowing that there's somebody dumb enough to pay, what was it, 400 or quid for a Nico Hamelin shirt? Yeah. It's got to be the podcast title. Yeah, we've got it there. Uh, right there. I will certainly consider it, yeah. It was going to be RIP recast, but um, that would be probably be more suitable. A tug on the heartstrings. Anyway, uh, that is it for this week. Thank you very much, Micah and Dan, for coming on and discussing the depressing side of QPR. Um, You can all be so happy this week that it's the international break. We at least know QPR won't be losing. Uh, Scotland play tomorrow. So if you've got something called via play, whatever the fuck that is, maybe watch Lyndon Dykes. I don't know. Uh, but if not, you'll probably be watching Jordan Henderson steal a living playing for England on Channel 4 or whatever when they play, I don't know, who have England got? Some of them beat, maybe? I think Italy. Italy, okay. That's going to be fun. Um, but like I said, QPR won't lose this week, so take solace in that. Maybe take a week off from football. Come back refreshed uh, when we go and beat Huddersfield, whoever it is in a week's time playing total football under uh, Gareth Guardiola. Uh, So thank you very much for listening and until next time, come on you odds.